Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? We are back again with another episode. This is the Class In Session podcast. I am your host, uh, Logan Taylor, with my amazing co-host, my brother, my partner in crime, Mr. Dante Hampton. And listen, guys, we have a very, very, very special guest. This is an international version. You can now say that the Class In Session podcast is an international worldwide podcast. Dante, come on and bring our special guest on. All right. Um, as Logan said, man, we have somebody all the way from across the country in uh, Bottega, Colombia. Um, that's where he's from. That's where he's currently teaching at. Um, he was an elementary teacher at first. Now he's going into a more of a leadership role with the math and science. Um, Felipe, can you just tell um, my audience and listeners a little bit more about yourself, how you got into education and how that came about? Absolutely. First of all, Logan and Dante, hello. Nice, nice to meet you, and thank you for for having me. And as as you said, we were we are making it international, right? So we are crossing boundaries, and I like the idea that we can share experience and compare experiences together. Uh, so thank awesome. you for having me. Okay, uh, so basically, I've been in education for for eleven years, and it's actually kind of a funny story because I. I wouldn't say I stumbled into education, but I, you know, I did kind of took kind of a, a detour before I got into education. So I started as a as a business major. Uh, you know, it took me all but like one semester of college to realize that it wasn't it wasn't my thing. Uh, but I, I kept insisting. I was a little bit stubborn back then and I kept insisting. So I I changed schools thinking that I was going to, you know, maybe settle more into the major in another school, but, uh, you know, uh, things happen. And in the school that I was going into for my, for my second year of college, they told me that, you know, we don't have, we want you as a student, but we don't have space in, in your major. So they say, why don't you choose another major and then later transfer? So I was confirmed with, with my family, especially my sister. And she told me that, you know what, um, you don't, you, it's clear that you don't like what you are doing so why don't you just start start doing something that you that you like right so that way i signed up for my second year of college as a psychology major and then i i did the double major with education um but it wasn't until i did my first internship which was like basically kind of like going on a blind date because i just you know i signed up for a summer program actually because the internship started in, in July. Uh, so I signed up for a summer program having no, I, I know it had to do with kids and stuff, but I had no idea what it was. So it turned out to be uh, like a little, like a, an enrichment program for special education children. You know, so I remember walking in the first day and the person was going to be my boss asking me like, so how long have you been working in special ed? And I was like, Wait, what? Like zero. Like if it was eight ten, I've been working by ten minutes in special ed, right? So, so she's like, you know, don't worry, you'll be fine, you'll like it. And she was right. I remember feeling like at the end of the first day, when the first day was over, like I had this feeling, like oh my god, like I felt like I've been doing this job my entire life. You know what I mean? Like it felt natural to me. So, 
ever ever since that I've been I've been in education. That's awesome, man. That's that's really awesome. Um, give, give us um, give us a little bit more information about just the education side over there in Colombia. How, how does that work? Um, or should I say, how are the teachers and administrators um, viewed over there in Colombia compared to the U.S., whereas they're undervalued and things of that nature? Um, I think in those in in that sense. Um, Unfortunately, it's very similar, uh, right? Uh, in general, there is a lot of low pay. I, I do have to say that I am lucky enough to work in a place in where the teachers get get paid a lot. You know, they get paid uh, almost the same as other professionals that usually rank higher. Uh, but again, it's not the it's not the norm, right? Uh, like the same as in the in right. the state, you see teachers that need to have like two jobs in order to be able to make ends meet and and all that stuff and a lot of like you know top-down regulations and and things like that. Um, we do have some like pretty strong unions in in some cities, which is kind of like the same in the United States. That if if you are lucky enough to be in a school district or in a city that has a pretty good union that can advocate for teachers uh rights and needs then you got it uh but you know more, more often than not especially the farther away you get from from the big cities and you start moving into like rural communities uh those are uh, you know the irony that those are the teachers that need the most support in the community that needs more the most support of all but usually the ones that get it the least Interesting. Very, 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 very interesting that you say that. So you say y'all have unions over there, correct? Based on the city and district. Right, exactly. Uh, usually the unions obviously work more for, for the public sector. Right. Uh, once you're in like the private sector, uh, like me, you don't have, uh, you know, they don't have unions or, or anything like that, which creates this whole set of of other problems right because you know one thing that they have in the public sector is that they have a little bit more of like uh like job security mm. uh, which in the private sector maybe we don't have we are uh basically on a year by year contract right so right. at the end of the at the end of the year you might might be told not to come back or might not be so there is no so much like security or protocols or stuff like that to, you know, to help to retain teachers or to, or to give a fair process to some teachers. Awesome. Absolutely. Go ahead, Logan. get in here. What is a, let me ask you, Felipe, what is a common myth about your job um, from when you first started, right, to where you are now? What is a common myth um, about your job that like when you first heard that you were just like yo like I cannot I cannot I can't agree with that stigma or I can't agree with what the perception is and things of that nature what is what could you go into could you go into that yeah that's something that I've been I've been thinking a lot especially since since the pandemic began and we hit COVID and you know 
virtual classes and we had teachers kind of like doubling up their workload and stuff like that. Or maybe not doubling it, but basically we teachers were doing the same that we do, working the same hours, doing the same effort, but this time around it was a little bit more visible, right? So it made like this myth of like the, you know, like the hero teacher or like the suffering teacher, stuff like that, which, you know, some people, and I think some people mean well when they said it, like, okay, the, this is the teacher that sacrifices all for their students and, you know, it's all about the kids. And, and I do understand, obviously, that's the main reason we are in education is it's the kids. And, you know, we, we always put the kids at the center of the learning process. But I feel that, you know, that narrative at the same time has made it hard for us teachers as professionals to be considered as such you know what i mean uh and to be treated as such because um if we are working longer hours than we should be working then it's because it's of the kids you know if we are getting paid less it's because it's for the kids so uh you know i feel that that myth even though it has some truth on it because we do work for the kids and we do do stuff for the students, but uh, at the same time, I feel like, okay, we are also professionals uh, that are learning, that have degrees, uh, and that need to be treated as such. And I think sometimes that narrative shifts, like what they do with the narrative, that they try to hide all the inequities and all the things that teachers should get, but they don't get. They try to hide it under the, it's for, for the kids. I don't know if that, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I get, I understand what you're saying. I get what you're saying. That that makes sense. And so let me let me ask you this: with you being in education for eleven years now, correct? Absolutely. How have you been able to? And I'm not gonna say avoid because that may not have been the case. However, how have you been able to balance right um, that work and life balance? Because you know, of course, we know that. Educate, educate a burnout is, is at an all-time high mm-hmm. uh, coming out of, you know, the pandemic and uh, COVID and things of that nature. How have you been able to balance that? I mean, I think we can look at that on, on, on two levels, right? I think, and again, ever, I think COVID really helped me personally to do this. And it was once to, it was to like, get better at organizing my time and, you know, putting, just putting limits on, on my time. You know what I mean? Like being able to, to, to separate work time from personal time and to, to understand that sometimes um, the personal time, the family time should be the priority. Right. And that was very hard at the beginning because, a, the, the narrative, right? You should sacrifice everything for the students and good teachers are the ones who are available after hours all the time, especially uh, like for us, it happened that after the pandemic, we started using like Google Classroom and, and Microsoft Teams and all of this way of that students and, and families had an easier way to, to reach us, uh, which came to, had its advantages, right? Like uh, being able to communicate more efficiently with families and students, it's definitely where we should be going to, towards and it's gonna help everyone in the process. 
but at the same time it became it became this thing where you were like on 24/7 right so if you were not working uh, correcting or doing stuff you were responding to messages you were attending to parents and stuff like that so like having to to say like okay like after this time it needs to stop and I'm not going to take uh work home and I'm not going to answer so I had to like really define those limits for myself and and make them happen for myself okay so like obviously I had to start small so one thing that I that I did was like okay I don't care what happens if it's 10 o'clock like I'm dropping everything and I'm going to bed and I don't care what's not unfinished I don't care if the next day I, you know the world might burn if I don't finish correcting or it might not but like I'm stopping it right uh, and it started little by little started with like that one limit and the the thing and that's something that we need to teach students too that um when you start being more assertive and put a positive limits for yourself it just starts to like to like grow so you start building uh one positive limit after one positive limit so i also started deciding like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna stop taking work home in the afternoons and of course it's not a perfect science because there is there is days or there is periods like especially we're uh, coming close to like closing a, a period right so like of course you have a lot of things to grade and exams and stuff like that or uh, a report to prepare so of course during those times there is going to be inevitably uh work home right i have i have a boss that say that you know inevitably in this job in this career that we chose we are going to have to take work home right like more than maybe some other professions and that's true but it's also true that you can make your you can make your own limits right so I'm starting to like try not to take home uh, or work home uh, in the afternoon right and just arriving and doing something for myself going back into into the gym I do martial arts so that's something that I had stopped doing uh, for the last few years because of time and stuff like that so I was like no you know what I mean like Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays I'm gonna go in the evenings to do to to my class and that's sacred time you know so I so finding those spaces finding those spaces for you to to be somebody outside of your work you know to be somebody with yourself to be somebody with with your family I think that's one of the ways that I personally try to balance it uh, on a more general level uh, I've gotten really good or I don't know if really good I think that's stretching it too much but I, I got better at advocating for myself and advocating for what teachers need right so like um, I became that guy I work who you know who will go to to the leadership who will go to the principals and coordinators and be like okay so it's come to the point that it's too much you know we, we have to balance we have to change or maybe this policy came down from from above and it's not what's best for students or maybe it's not the best way to implement or it's not the right time to to implement it um and you know i'm 
I do acknowledge that I'm in like a, in a position that I'm, I've been able to be in hurt, you know, and I do appreciate that. And I also recognize that I've been able to use my, my voice, maybe because I have a little bit less to lose when using my voice than other teachers, right? Like, uh, I'm a single guy. I really don't have that many responsibilities at the moment. Like, I don't have kids to feed, mouths to feed, rents to pay or stuff like that. Or if I have things to pay, like, at the end of the day, if I don't do it, it only affects me. Uh, so I understand uh, other teachers having trouble with that because it's their job, not only their job on the line, but it's their family's livelihood. It's the, you know, basically the paycheck that pays for the rent and the school and the school clothes and the school materials and everything that their kids need. Uh, so I've been able to use that position, like a little bit of that extra freedom that I have to, to do just that, to advocate for other teachers. And, and that's actually why I, during the, during the pandemic and this whole COVID situation we, where we were all like, lockdown in our houses and teachers felt more isolated than than before uh i was able to start uh, a podcast with that same thing with that purpose in mind to to advocate a little bit for teachers and to give teachers a voice you know i think that something that we that we need is to give teachers a voice and it's like you know like spaces like like this one like podcasts like these ones that allowed for that to happen right to allow for not only for teachers to to maybe say what they need to say and have other people hear them but for other teachers like like this one like around the world we are uh, you know a whole continent away but uh but we are having this conversation you know and it's these conversations that like little by little starts to to change to change things, right? Like, I, I read the, this quote the other day that says, like, you know, revolutions don't, don't wait for policy change, right? They start, like, person by person, voice by voice, and it's, like, these spaces that, that allow it. So, like, trying to create those spaces either in my own school or in the wider community where teachers' voices can be, can be heard and ideas can start to to flow, to move from one mind to another one. I think that's one of the ways that we need to start so we can start like balancing this, uh, this issue of treating us like the saviors and, you know, the most important ones, but at the same time, not treating us like, like professionals and don't showing us like the same respect that people talked about teachers. They need to also show it in, in wages and, workplace conditions and all that stuff that we that we already know that we need i love it that's good that's good so just being intentional and setting those boundaries and you know um, advocating for teachers giving them the opportunity to you know uh, use their voice like you said where platforms like this you created a podcast um, and things of that nature I think that that's amazing. And then showing teachers that you care, right, by the wages and, you know, allowing them to use their voice and respecting what their opinion is or their point of view or perspective on things. I think that that's big. So that's amazing. And it's funny that you talk about 
you talked about wages, which is going to take me into my, which is going to take me and Dante into our next segment. Um, I'm going to let Dante ask you um, our hot seat question and uh, we, we can go right into that. Yeah, but before before I ask you that, uh, I just want to point out I love the balance you said about uh, not taking your work home. Um, so for our teachers and educators out there, I think there was some big that people might have missed is um, not taking your work home. And then you said martial of a hobby. Uh, we had someone, well, our very first guest who actually gave us our first opportunity, uh, Mr. Thurkill. He's big on theater. He was a music teacher first. Um, and then he was a principal and like he does all these theater shows. He's an actor, plays music, but he has a ton of hobbies that balance out everything he does. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. That was a very, 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 very big deal. So for our first year educators, if if you think it's getting overwhelming, please make sure you have a hobby or something that you can do to balance out with you. Um, you just for y'all out there. I was going to say, at the end of the day, I was going to say, at the end of the day, that only, that not only benefits you as the teacher, but it also benefits your students, right? Because uh, obviously the more relaxed, the more happy you get into the classroom, the better the outcome. But as a teacher, the more experiences you have outside, right? Uh, be it theater, sports, gym, I don't know, movies, like whatever is it that like inspires you, it's going to help you. It's going to bring you back into, you're going to bring that back into the classroom and you're going to be able to, to share an authentic experience with students. Right? So if, if you only go from, from home to work, from home to work, and you don't have that space to be a person, a human and get yourself with different interests and stuff like that, then it's not going to feel authentic for you. And it's not going to feel authentic for, for your students. So at the end of the day, that benefits all of us. So like, I'm gonna, yeah, I definitely like echo what you were saying to, especially to new teachers to, you know, to do your best in the profession, but you know, don't forget you. Don't forget who you are as a person and all your interests and all the things that make you you outside of your role in the classroom. Absolutely, I love that, I love that. So. Going into our uh, hot seat question. So is there a number, Felipe? And when I say a number, just um, it can be whatever you think. This is just, you know, getting your uh, point of view and uh, feedback on this. Is there a number that educators um, should be paid? Or is there, a, is, there a, is there a value that you think or believe that educators uh, should be paid um, because, of course, we know, like you said, you know, not even just in Colombia, but even here in the United States, right? Like our teachers are not being there. And when it comes to wages, they're not being valued uh, mm -hmm. properly, right? Like they they are some of the most important people in our community. They're the reason why we have lawyers, doctors and, you know, and things of that nature. And they play a major part. Um, so do you think that there's a value or a number? What do you think um, educators should be paid? I mean, I think I think let's let's we will have to look at what other professionals are with with the same qualifications at the same experience 
that that we as teachers have what are they what are they earning right because now in in most most parts of of the world basically i know this is true in colombia and it's true in the united states that you know they require you know you need to have a master's degree or um plus however many years of experience to get this job right and uh, again that takes a lot of time out of your life and a lot of money out of, like that you invested into into basically being able to even qualify for that position and i think like if we compare what a what a teacher makes and maybe another profession i don't know say like a a computer programmer with same amount same same amount of experience and same degrees right all with let's say five plus years of experience plus a master's degree right so basically we we are we have the same amount of experience and the same amount of education right like uh in most schools the the price for you to get your masters in net it's basically the same the same price for you to get a masters in computer science right but if you go if you go out uh the 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 benefit that you receive from having those two degrees is very different, right? So the starting salary for somebody in computer science, it's way much higher than the starting salary from somebody in, in education, right? For, for a teacher. So I think we need to start looking at what other professionals are, are earning, right? Like, like what you said, like the, the contribution that a teacher makes, it's a little bit harder to, to maybe quantify, right? So yeah, like uh, you, you said like we, we make all the other professions, you know, we create the, the doctors, we create the scientists, the lawyers, we create those professions, but it's harder to put a number or like, a, like an income or, or something like that on, or like a net income on a, on the education of a child, right? Which is not as hard in many other professions, right? So if I'm, if I'm a lawyer and I work with a company, uh, even if it's my first year, if I, if I win the case, okay, you, I, just, uh, I just made my company earn so much money or I maybe, because, maybe I avoid losing them, I don't know. X amount of money, millions. So it's easier to quantify in other professions, right? If I'm a designer, so I design something and I create this campaign and I earn the company X amount. Of, so that's how they calculate. But it's, I think it's harder to do with, with teachers. You know what I mean? Like what's the amount of money that I'm adding to, to the economy or to the system when I educate a child correctly, right? Not only, not only in math and language and science and writing and reading, but also in, you know, in all the extra things that we do on a day-to-day, -day, like values and, you know, self-esteem and life skills and cooperation. So I think it's more difficult to, to quantify, which is one of the reasons why sometimes we don't get compensated in the same way so since it's so complex to to quantify 
the real amount of a teacher, I say the easiest way is to just let's compare it, you know? I, I assume that if we had the formula, and I don't know, that formula probably exists somewhere uh, of how much a good teacher produces to the economy, apports to, to a country, to a community with their job. I think we will probably be earning way much more than most doctors and most lawyers and most that stuff, right? But until that formula exists and like the perfect conditions arrive so teachers can earn what they deserve, I think we at least we need to keep it balanced with other professionals, you know? So what are other professionals that have, again, the same amount of experience and the same level of education earning? And what can we do to make sure that teachers at least get to, to that level? Okay. All right. So we on the same page then, Felipe. I love this. All right. Good deal. So what I believe and what I think, you know, Dante talks about this. He'd be like, yo, Logan wants to back up the money truck and pay teachers, you know, um, this, you know, this number. What I believe is, is that the bottom base for educators should be 80,000. I think you should pay. I think that should be the bottom base coming right out. Like one, I believe, you know, if you start at that, now you get a, um, you get a great number of educators wanting to be in the education field. Right. Mm -hmm. um, this will also help them. Uh, it'll, it'll also help them with, you know, having a live, a livable wage. Um, and then I think you can now you can get a better uh, pool of educators. Right. So now you like I said, like I said a second ago, you get more people that will want to be in the education space because, you know, you got people that are in the education space. They've been teaching for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And they like, hey, I don't want to do this no more. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think like if we could have some type of system in place or some type of incentives with like helping with your housing or helping the teachers get a vehicle and things of that nature. Like I think now we can start. I think that that will show teachers like, yo, OK, we respect you all and we value you all. And this is how we can help you all. Dante, what you got, man? Um, I, I'm just uh, I like I like what Felipe said as far as perspective um with with compared to uh other professionals um as i've said countless times on our podcast I'm, I'm just big on the essentials so whether you're setting up a housing plan or or automobile plan some kind of transportation plan for teachers i think once you get that in order i think everything can trickle on down from there on, on my end i think that's the two biggest things especially with covid and with interest and things going skyrocketing and the way the economy is trying to rebuild with everything, I think you just, at this point, everybody needs security. Um, I know we everybody's big on the entrepreneurship role and, you know, having your own business. I think the way the world is going, um, when people talk about passive income, I think right now you just need security and having the necessary skills to some to fall back on. If you have a house, if some happen, economy crash, you get fired as a teacher, whatever. Guess what? You can sell that house. Um, if you have a car, you have transportation. You know, there's a lot of things you can do outside of that. So I'm just big. I'm just big on that. Those two pieces for me. Absolutely. 
I think like if you again comparing how other professionals are treated, sometimes if you hire a manager or a CEO of a company, you hook them up with all of that stuff, right? Like it's part of the the deal to attract somebody like, okay, we're gonna give you the car, we're gonna give you the housing, we're gonna help you with this, we're gonna help you with that. And that's actually something that happens in, you know, in countries here like, like in Colombia in where, when they're trying to attract, especially when they're trying to attract teachers from other parts of the world, right? Maybe they wanna diversify it or something. Uh, they, they do that, they'll say like, okay, well, we're not only gonna pay you this, Uh, which is made probably not the greatest salary or the, the best that you could be making, but we are going to hook you up with the housing. We're going to guarantee you the, the transportation or the food, or we're going to give you these benefits in terms of, of shopping and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So that's definitely something that, that like school systems should start to do, you know, uh, you know, especially right now when I, when I see the younger generation of teachers, like, like, you were saying um, like they or, or we, I still include myself in the younger generation of teachers, but like we come with a different ship in mind, right? So, um, so yes, we're looking for the job and the job stability, but we're also looking for all other those like not so like beyond the, the paycheck, right? So am I, am I getting guarantee all this other time or do I have, flexible timing right like as you were saying like a lot of the young generation they want to be teachers but they also have other interests right so they i want to teach but i also want to be a consultant or i also want to do i don't know my bakery business so how are we helping teachers to to deal with their workload to deal with their time how are we in as as a profession like civilizing the, I don't know if that's even, I think I just made that word up, but how are we making the, the, our profession more flexible and our time more flexible to, in order to, to have that new generation of teachers pursue the, all the interests that they, that they have and that it's something that is ingrained with their culture, you know, you know what I mean? It, they, they just come with, with that chip. So other professionals, or professions are doing it. They they are working online for a for some part of the day, or you know, like distance uh, working and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, it's I think it's harder to do in this uh, in this profession because you know basically like the best, and I think that the the COVID era told like taught us this lesson very well. Nothing replaces the face-to-face -face interaction of a teacher, you know, especially from that pre-K through 12. Like, I think, I still believe, and I believe it will always be essential. You know, nothing replaces, and like, even for the teenagers, you know what I mean? Like, I had teenagers say, like, yeah, like, I definitely, not, not only did I not learn the same, uh, but I miss having my friends, and I miss having those adults that care about me around me all day right uh but there is other ways you know like I, i've heard a lot of schools that uh for example organize teacher schedules so like each teacher has like one one free half a day a, a week to to go about and do other things 
right? Especially in our professions, we are usually get we, we get to school very early, you know, be, before other professionals. Like we are school at seven or something, and we usually leave school late. Uh, so it's and by the time like we leave school, like basically a lot of the basic things in life have begun to shut down, right? Banks or doctors and stuff like that. So even like having teach, giving teachers that access, you know what I mean? To be able to say like, okay, I need to get a doctor's appointment. I need to get to the bank or just, I want to do something else. I need to go explore something else. How can we help them and provide like an appropriate schedule that allows them to do to do that and you know it goes again to to the fact that in order to recognize somebody as a professional you need to recognize them as a person first right so how can we help the system again it's it's the system it's not like an individual school it's not an individual person or leader but how can we help the system do that to do that with our teacher I love that. I love that. I love that. What, let me, let me ask you this, Felipe, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone starting out um, in your career? I will say to, especially right now, to be very careful who you surround with, right? Unfortunately, I think that Right. The whole system has led a lot of us as teachers to feel burnout and to feel bitter towards the profession, right? So if you start getting that message from the beginning, forget about it. You know what I mean? Like, if, if there is one thing that all new teachers have that is beautiful, is they still have that hope, right? They still have, like, that, that belief, uh, that what they do matters and that they can change things and change the system. And I think that's one of the biggest dangers for new teachers right now is that they are, unfortunately, some of them are entering a, a very toxic environment because the system has made it so, right? So, you know, just be careful, be careful with that. Surround yourself with as much positivity, you know, for every toxic leader or toxic t-shirt that there is around, there is five more or not, right? So, or 10 more or 20 more. So surround yourself with those, learn from those and learn to advocate for yourself and for the students. That's good, man. That, that's, that's, that's really good. Um, I don't think we've heard that one before as far as advice. Um, so for you, first year educators out there, uh, Felipe said, man, surround yourself with positivity and debate, no matter your environment, surround yourself with teachers who who are in it for the passion and for the value. Um, I definitely understand as far as getting into a toxic situation or just get go, being a first year teacher at a situation. And all you're hearing is the bitterness, the negativity. So for y'all educators out there, um, his advice is stay around people who are in it for the passion and in it for changing lives. Um, Logan, we're going to just take a quick break. Logan, tell them what they need to do and what we're going to do. Uh, here, just for everybody, all the listeners out there, um, this is the podcast Class in Session. Um, 
if you guys don't know, uh, we really appreciate everybody who's been supporting us. Um, but we just need y'all to do three things, man. Like, share, and comment, man. That's all you got to do. Um, we really, Like I said, we really appreciate this. If you feel we adding value to everything, um, like, you, like we say, we got somebody our way from, from, from Columbia, man. This is a whole international thing now. So um, if you can just like, share, we really would appreciate that. Um, if you love education, um, if you're first year education, first year in the education, it, he's dropping gems. He's showing his perspective on things. Um, if you're a principal, admin, we have all kind of people that's coming on this podcast. Um, if you're a parent, this the parent. Yep. This is a whole nother side right here. Um, so. If y'all just help us out, once again, like, comment, and share. Uh, this is the class, uh, class and session podcast. So, Felipe, uh, we got probably about one or two more questions for you, man, before we get up out of here. Um, so, with this question, I'm going to ask if there's one thing you can change in the education system, just one thing. And we're not talking about on a small scale, we're talking about on a large scale. So, for us in the US, we typically say, if you can meet with like the U.S. Department of Education and they say, hey, whatever you say, Felipe, it's going to change throughout the whole country. So for your country in Colombia, if there's one thing you can change, uh, what would that be? Whew. OK, that's a that, that's a big that's a big question because there is so much I want to. To change. We just need one. We just we just need one thing. We don't we don't need we don't need. I'm gonna they say I'm gonna Rome say, wasn't built in a day. Exactly. No, but I'm going to say one that is <laughs> probably closer to, to me because of my context and my experience. I get, I, get, I come from, from, private, from the private sector. Uh, so with kind of like that context in mind, I will say the, the high, stakes, high stakes standardized BS, okay? Uh, because... I, I've seen how not only schools buy into, into the whole, like, you know, it has to be the best grades in X exam because that's going to guarantee the best school and the best this and the best that. And, and I see how schools have bought into this idea and they have sold it to, to families as a value proposition. And the families have bought into this idea too. And what, ha what this had made is that it has created such a pressure in our kids to perform, right? It's, it has made education become all about a grade, all about getting that A, right? Or passing that exam. And it's, re it's something that for me, it's really taking the, the learning out of education, which is ironic, right? But it's also taking the joy out of learning. So, so yeah, like if I had that one-to-one uh, -one face with the secretary of education and he, would, he was willing to listen to me, that would be the, the first thing. Like let's, let's reduce the pressure of standardized testing and reduce the pressure that that creates on students. Okay, okay. Uh, that, that's that's a good answer. Um, we, we have heard some people talk about standardized testing. 
as far as um, reducing the pressure of it and the amount of weight students feel comes on them literally for something so vital that dictate their whole year. Cause you know, with those standardized testing, if you fail, basically they're saying you're not up to par right. for, for basically the level that's needed to move on to the next grade level. Um, that's, that's, that's very, that's very good. Logan, you got something, man? Like I said, we get no, I don't man. But what I do want to say Felipe is, um, before we do get off here, I want to give you your flowers and I want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for answering the calling to be in education. Thank you for being an educator. Thank you for working with our babies um, in Colombia, our scholars in Colombia. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what you do is needed. So, of course, I want to tell you that. I want to say that. Um, and then also, man, I just want to say, man, thank you for coming on to the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, really Thank you so much, man, for, you know, dropping these gems and rocking with us and everything. And, you know, I believe in giving people their flowers while they're still breathing. So thank you for what you do, man. And and what you do matters and who you are matters. And please do not stop doing what you're doing with being an educator and uh, helping our babies. All right. Absolutely. Uh, Lohan and Dante, thank you so much. And I'm going to basically give you back your flowers saying the same thing. Thank you for the space, right? And we need these spaces, right? We need these spaces, like I said before, for teachers to, to speak out, as you said, for families to speak out, for students to speak out, and to create a community to create, to, to help teachers feel supported that they are not alone. So thank you again. Thank you for creating that, that space. And again, I really, Wish the best for you guys and to keep keep going. Keep going because we we the teachers need this this space. Thank you. Thank you, man. We really appreciate that. Um how how can if somebody wanted to uh just get in touch with you, um, touch bases on some of the practices, or if they wanted to know more about you guys school system over there in Colombia, how could they get in touch with you? Absolutely. I have uh the, the best way will be my Instagram account. I have okay. an Instagram account in which I talk a little bit about uh, the more of the psychologist aspect of, of learning, right? And students with learning difficulties and uh, how to approach learning from like a scientific way. So they can find me at Harmony LC in Instagram. Harmony with no H, Harmony LC. Can you spell that out for them just so they know? Just spell it out for them. A-R-M-O-N-Y-L-C. All right. So for y'all listeners out there, make sure y'all reach out to him on Instagram. Like he said, he talks about a lot of stuff as far as on the psychological side of learning. So for y'all teachers out there, if you want to learn about that, um, different ways to connect with your students, empower your students, um, get in touch with Felipe. He has a lot going on as well. And he took the time out of his day to literally talk with us from a whole nother country. Uh, Felipe, we truly appreciate this. Like I said, we just made history. You're the first international that we even had on this podcast. Uh, so we, we really do appreciate that. Um, like I said, this, this is wonderful. Um, and we love hearing different perspectives, uh, different insights. And it's nothing like comparing and contrast as far as education, because education is worldwide. People learn a, a million ways. 
Um, but it's always exceptional for somebody from a different country to tell their point of view. And also when they, when they're in a line and actually have similarities as well. Right. Felipe, my man. So one more thing, can you leave our audience with a piece of motivation um, and educators just across uh, the world and our audience specifically, just leave them with some motivation, man, just to encourage them uh, this school year and then we'll get up out of here. Absolutely. Um, I will say this, if there, there are a lot of uncertain things about our profession and teaching and we often don't see the, the end result. But if there is one thing certain is that for every teacher right now that is maybe driving to work or is going to bed at night or is heading to work, there is one student that can't wait to see them. Okay? And you're about to make the whole day of that student just for the fact that you showed up. You know? And there is... Literally no other profession in which just by showing up, just by walking into a building, you can change the day of a person. So never forget that, that there is a student waiting for you and that that's the reason why we do it. That's good. I love it, guys. Listen, show up. All right, show up. All right, Felipe, hey, thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say thank you enough. All right, guys, listen, this is the Class In Session podcast, all right? The Class In Session podcast. I am your host, Logan Taylor, with my amazing co-host, my partner in crime, my brother, Dante Hampton, and our special guest, our international teacher, Mr. Felipe Cortez. Cortez, is that correct? Yep. Cortez, Mr. Felipe Cortez. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listen, guys, show up for these babies because you never know whose life is going to impact. All right, guys. So listen, this is the class and session podcast and we'll check you all soon. All right. Thanks for listening. Appreciate y'all. Peace. Oh, and before we get out of here, I'm sorry, Dante, in closing, like we always say, why be normal when well, you can be extraordinary? Peace. We'll see y'all soon.